Good morning. Um, all right, well, we've, we've been traveling through the Gospel of Luke, and, and over the last few weeks, this, is, this will be our final week, actually, in, in uh, this section of Luke 11, where we're looking at prayer as we've been going through the Lord's Prayer together. Um, and so you can follow along with me if you'd like in your copy of the Scriptures in Luke 11. Uh, I've noticed this thing uh, with my kids. Uh, I love them. And we enjoy each other, like we enjoy hanging out, we enjoy uh, playing games together, watching movies together. Uh, We're generally interested in each other and one another's lives, it's fun, I love to hear how things are going for them. But every now and then, my dad sense kicks in, in particular conversations. Um, and maybe, maybe you have this same sense as well, parents, uh, that you know, maybe I'm sitting in the living room, maybe I'm watching an Astros game, maybe, maybe one of my kids comes and sits down, they're there for a few minutes, uh, and then after just a little while, it's like, hey, Dad, how about those Astros? And then it's like, maybe something like, hey, Dad, how was your day? That's a nice shirt you got on there, Dad. And I know where it's going, you know where it's going, you can already feel it, because the very next sentence is going to be, hey, Dad, what if I did... Fill in the blank. Could I do this? And, and my kids, I love them. Uh, they're, they've, they've figured it out, right? They're a little savvy. Uh, because asking your parents for stuff can be a little tricky, can't it? I remember, I was a kid. I had to ask my parents for things. I needed to enter just the right way. And I think over the last several weeks, as we've been looking at, at prayer, we've established that the Lord wants us to ask him for things. He wants us to come to him. Uh, Jesus has laid out this model of coming to the Father, teaching us how to pray. But still for some of us, although we know that we should pray, there are things that keep us from praying. Some, something makes us hesitant to approach, whether, whether we're just too busy, too busy to engage him, or maybe even more tricky, we're, we're convinced that we're, we would be too bothersome to him. We, why, why would he care about me? Uh, why would he even worry uh, and think of me? Or maybe you just think, man, I, I'm, not, I'm not eloquent enough. I don't have the right words. Uh, I'm not impressive enough to him. So today, as we finish this section on prayer, I, I want us to come away with a, a few realities about prayer that, that I hope will, will drive us toward the Father in prayer uh, and not away from him. And, and, and the realities are these. Number one, prayer's time. Prayer's object. Number three, prayer's effect. And then lastly, we're gonna talk just about the practice of prayer. Now let's go now to the Father in prayer. And so I, I just want you to go right now and just ask the Father, Lord, help me, help me to hear. Give me a heart that, that is soft to the truth of your word. Uh, ask him for that now. And would you take just a moment and pray for me? I pray that I would speak what's true, speak from God's word um, so that we might benefit. Oh, Father, would you help us As your children, God, we come to you 
uh, with empty hands. We come with those who are in need of you, in need of your presence in our life. Uh, Father, we have many, many other just needs of the day. Would you still our minds and our hearts? Would you, would you meet us where we are? Would you give us what we need? Would you show us yourself? And so Lord, would, would you do this today by your spirit? Would you, would you draw us to Jesus? And it's in his name that we pray, amen. Well, as we move into verse five here in chapter 11, uh, I, I think it's really easy to read this passage and think, oh, so Jesus is just moving on to something new. Like he's moving on to some new idea about prayer. It's a new teaching. Uh, but I don't think that's what we're seeing. Uh, think about how Jesus would often teach particular topics, right? He would, uh, what, what was his pattern? He would explain a truth, uh, whether about something about the father's character or whether it's about how to forgive or how to not be anxious. Uh, and then often in those, in, in those teachings, uh, the Lord to help us understand or to help the listener understand, he would illustrate it. He would tell a story. Uh, and, and aren't you glad that the Lord does things like that? Because I, I think it's as though Jesus is saying, like, hey, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, uh, but I'm gonna explain things in some terms that will be more helpful for you that you can wrap your mind around. So let me give you a, a story or a parable, something that you might better understand. And I think often we, we look at today's passage and we go, well, this is just simply a teaching about uh, persistence of asking for things. And, and that's certainly in the passage. But I think, I think what we're to see here is that, that Jesus, who has just taught his disciples how to pray, pray, showing them the Lord's prayer, he's given them a model. And after modeling the prayer, he says, he, I think he's saying, let, us, let me show you a story. Let me show you a story to illustrate how to pray and how, to, uh, how you can come to me. So what is this story showing us? Uh, number one, I think we see prayer's time. So let's, let's look at the story he tells, starting in verse five. We read, he also said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't, know, I don't have anything to offer him. So let's just set the scene for a minute. Like imagine this story playing out. An out of town visitor has shown up to stay at his friend's house. He's late at night and the man realizes, oh, I'm out of bread. I don't have anything to give this guy. He's been journeying a long way. I will be the world's worst host. I've got to fix the problem. But it's late, right? He doesn't, there, there's no shops open. Uh, we don't know why he doesn't have bread in the house. We just know he's not ready. He, there's no shops open though. There's nowhere else to go. So you know, he goes, you know what? I've got a friend. I know he's got plenty of bread. I'm gonna go to him. I'll ask him. And it's like, you know, it's 2,000 years ago. He can't just call his friend, be like, hey, I'm gonna come over, be ready. Uh, he, can't, uh, he can't text him and say, hey man, are you awake? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna head your way. No, he's just gotta go and knock on the door. Uh, and this is, not, this is not a crazy ask. It's a pretty communal culture, but it is late at night. Um, and so he views the, ur the, the, the need as urgent enough that he's gonna risk it. Um, but this particular friend that he goes to and asks, he's got, he's got a living setup that is maybe not so conducive to the ask, right? It sounds like he's likely living in some sort of one bedroom home. 
uh, that the man and his children, that they're already in bed. Uh, they've probably put out the lamp for the night. They, they, uh, they've locked the doors. Everybody's in bed. They, they may possibly even have animals who, who would normally be outside would have come in for the night uh, that are also asleep. The, the, the cattle are still, the children are asleep. The lights are out, the door is locked. And, and, and it's just an ordeal at this point. Undoing all of this is an ordeal. And so listen to his response in verse seven. It says, then he will answer from inside and say, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. Notice he doesn't say that he's out of bread. He's not like, hey, I got no bread, man. Uh, he's just saying, look, this is really inconvenient that you would ask. What you're asking is gonna set off a chain of events that's gonna probably wake up my family for the next hour or two. I don't wanna go through all that. Uh, I've got my own family to take care of, so sorry. And what, what can we learn from this story? We can learn, I think first, we really do see that there's a principle of access to the Father. When can we come to the Father? Anytime, anytime. How, how, no matter how big or how small they ask, we can come anytime. No matter how late uh, or early, we can come anytime. God does not have office hours. He, he, doesn't have, uh, a, a, he doesn't send your calls to voicemail when he's busy. He doesn't set up his auto reply when he's out for the weekend. He's not in bed. He's not asleep. He is available whenever a need arises. So this man asking in the middle of the night, he's coming and saying, I need bread. We can do the same. We can come in the middle of the night, anytime. But I, I don't think that's necessarily the main point of the story is, is the way this guy's asking. But let's, let's look further. How does the man uh, who's, who's already got the family down, how does he respond? Uh, let's look in verse eight. Uh, we read, I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything uh, because he's his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he'll get up and give him as much as he needs. Okay, so he gives in, right? And this leads us to number two, uh, to prayer's object. So we read that, I mean, is the response like, wow, what a great friend, he did it, he got up. I don't think that's how we necessarily read it, right? Uh, Jesus says it wasn't because the dude was his friend that he got up. His, his friend was just shamelessly bold and I really think it was more of a, are you just gonna stand there? <laughs> like, are you just gonna look pathetic at my door with your hands empty uh, all night? Like, you're gonna wake my neighbors if you keep hitting the door. And, and there's not a lot of dialogue, but I can just imagine that this guy at the end of all of this is just going, you're not gonna leave, are you? Fine, I'm up. How much bread do you need? Like, I, I almost sense some exasperation. Fine, you're, I'm gonna do it. You got me, I'm gonna do it. And I think many, many have looked at this passage as an example of persistence in prayer. And that certainly is a theme in our prayer that we are to come to the Lord, that we're, that we're not to give, to give up and to lose heart, that we're to keep asking and waiting and trusting in the Lord, trusting that he hears us. But, but look, look at these guys. I don't think it's a flattering picture of either one of them. In verse eight, we saw that the only reason he got up was because uh, of his shameless boldness. 
uh, his, his, the shamelessness of the asker. So we get, first we have this guy asking. Uh, this, this description, shameless boldness that Jesus uses, I, I don't think this is a, a, like a, a compliment to the guy. I, I think it's, it's really more of a negative statement uh, that he has no reverence, no modesty, uh, no shame. He is persistent, uh, but, but it's as though he said, I'm just gonna be here. You're, somebody's gonna answer me. I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna go for it. And I think we should be that kind of people in prayer. Like we should be persistent. Um, but I don't think our mentality is if I just bother God long enough, he's bound to do it. He'll, he'll, he'll just get tired of me and, and he'll do it. He'll do what I want because uh, I can b- bug him for long enough. So, so keep going. Look at the friend. Uh, what does the friend do? He buckles. You're gonna wake my neighbors. I'm not gonna be able to sleep anyway. And he responds. But how does he respond? Grudgingly. He's not an eager responder to this man. And, and I, believe, I believe what we're to see here is, is something really profound. Not about the person doing the asking. Not about the person who doing the praying. No, I think the Lord is teaching us about the one who listens to prayer. That there's a truth here, I think, that is so precious that it's almost too good to be true. That though even a great friend might rather sleep than help you. That even though others may be grudging in their response to your cries for help in times of need, God's not like that. That's not how God is with you. Listen to how it is with your father. Here's the contrast. Look in verse nine. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. There are a lot of places in life that the doors aren't open to us, are they? Aren't, are they? Isn't that our experience? Like, I need daily bread. I need help. I need help making ends meet. And sure, if I ask someone, they may grudgingly respond, but they also might just lock the door. They also might draw the blinds. So I may have to debase myself. I may have to beg. I may have to play up the sob story to turn on the tears, to butter them up with compliments And maybe, just maybe, if I can string together the right words and stir up the right emotions, maybe they'll take me seriously. Maybe they'll help me. And do you know what living like that does? It leaves you feeling all alone and exhausted. It leaves you feeling alone, like like no one really cares. Like I could starve and no one would really care. And it leaves you feeling exhausted. Like at the end of the day, all of the pressure is on you. That even when I ask others for help, I only really get what I need if I can perform well, if I can ask the right way, if I can do a good sales job that no one really has my interests in mind. I've just got to go out and pound the pavement to see what I can get. And if I'm persistent enough, if I craft the right words together, I'll get what I need. Provision in life is on me. That's exhausting. And I, I, some, some would argue that this is some sort of proverbial statement of uh, the one who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, the door is open. But is that your experience? 
Is that your experience in life that every time that you've sought for something, you've found it? That every time you've knocked on a door, the door was open? I think most of us would probably have stories where we would say, "That's no, it's been the opposite. The goals I've reached for, they've been out of reach. The doors I've knocked on, many, many of them, have, they've just been slammed back in my face. And I think Jesus is saying, you may feel alone and exhausted everywhere else in the world. Like you have to pound on doors, that you have to roam the streets asking for bread, hoping someone will show mercy. But, but he's showing us, here's the revolutionary idea of what it means to actually be a Christian. Is that when you knock on the door in prayer, it'll open. When you ask things of God, you will receive. Why? Not because of you, but because of the one on the other side of the door. Because of the one you're asking is your father. It's funny, I think in our culture, we still kind of get this, that like when things go bad in someone's life, like everything's gone wrong, everyone's rejected them, everyone has turned away, what's kind of the last ditch? Like what's the last place they go? Like finally, if, no, if everyone else has rejected me, I'll go back to mom and dad. I'll go back to mom and dad. I, even if I've acted a total fool, maybe they'll help me out. Maybe they'll help me out. Because there's this, this innate like, idea that, well, family's, family's thicker than all of my foolishness, so they'll help me out. But even that falls short, doesn't it? And I think the picture that we get in the New Testament is something like that, except even more unbelievable. That when God called you by name, when Jesus took your sin upon himself, when he forgave you when, you, when you came to the Lord and asked him to forgive you, if you've done that, then we're told that a legal exchange took place and that you have a new status, a new name, that you are now a son. You're now a daughter. You've been adopted into God's family. And now he's available. He's your father. He's open to you. And maybe you would sit here today and you go, man, I've, I've never been able to think of God that way. I don't feel like his son. I don't feel like his daughter. I feel, I feel destroyed by my own life and my own choices. I don't feel like I have anywhere to go. Look, if that's you, the Lord will receive you. Go to him, ask him today. He'll forgive you. Ask him to forgive your sins, to make you new. He will. Jesus rose from the dead so that you could actually have life, so that you could actually know the Father. That's what he offers to you. And this is why back in verse two of this chapter, Jesus started all of this saying, when you pray, start like this. Father, Father. Don't start by saying, okay, God, let me tell you about everything I've done this week. Let me impress you with my resume. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, let me show you my righteous deeds. No, he's saying, start by saying, Father, because God hears you, not because of you, but because of him. Because you're his child. And so do you know how it is with your father? I think this passage is showing you don't have to debase yourself. You don't have to yell at him from the street. 
You don't have to bang and bang and bang on the door. No, verse nine tells us you can just ask. You can just ask. You don't have to ask with many words. You don't have to use these and thous. You don't have to impress him with all of your many words. In fact, he doesn't want all of your many words. He already knows what you need. In Matthew 6, where Jesus is talking about this very prayer, he says this, he says, when you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. When I was, when I was a kid at our church, we had this deacon uh, and he would regularly get up in the service and he would pray. And, um, and, he, and he, I think the reason they had him pray a lot is because he prayed these really beautiful prayers. But he also had a funny habit uh, that is that he basically started and ended every sentence with Heavenly Father. I don't know if you've known someone like this, but his prayers were, Heavenly Father, we come to talk to you today, Heavenly Father. And like that was his, it was like a rhythm. Like he had it every, every sentence. And as the very mature, probably sixth or seventh grader that I was, uh, me and my friends decided we should count how many times he says Heavenly Father in the prayer. We were not praying. We were just being dumb. Um, it, was, it was fun, but not probably all that great. Uh, but, but, you know, that was fun. Uh, we gotta have fun in church. Uh, but we, but now, now that I'm older, I'm thinking, I mean, again, I don't think we, we have to pray like that. But I'm thinking maybe this guy was on to something. Like maybe if I started every sentence in my prayers to the Lord by just saying Father and Father. Like it's Father at the beginning, beginning Father at the end. Because really that's what, all the stuff in the middle is just wrapped up with Father at the beginning, Father at the end. So we ask, who is the object of our prayer? Our Heavenly Father. We ask him. And then we just seek we bring all of our seeking to him. What if everything that we searched for, we sought from him? Seek, he says, and you'll find it. The father's not playing hide and seek with you. He's not hiding the good stuff from you. He's not playing keep away with you. It's not, it's not like trick or treat. And he's, he's like saying, I got the big old king size candy bar over here. And then you get there and he drops a potato in. Like that's not who the father is. He, he, he wants to give you good gifts. In fact, look in verse 11. We read this. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead of a fish. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. That's the weirdest, maybe one of the weirdest two sentences in the Bible. Uh, that's just, these are strange asks. I think I can get it. Fish and eggs, those are pretty normal, I guess. Uh, but yeah, do you know any fathers like that? that would listen to the most intent, uh, well-reasoned ask from a child and their response would be, you know what? I hear you asking for a fish, but what about a snake? Take it, take the snake. Uh, I hear you asking for an egg and that would be great. You could you know, fry it, scramble it. Uh, have you ever tried scrambling a scorpion? And he throws it at you. Like, what a weird idea. But uh, the whole point is, even good earthly fathers don't do that. And you're, you're nothing. You're, your goodness is nothing compared to God. You're evil compared to him. And even the earthly fathers that you know don't do that. They don't do that. They don't want to do that. They want to give good gifts. And he's saying, if you've seen an earthly father give a good gift, your heavenly father makes them look terrible. He outgives them. He is the best gift giver there is. And then lastly, just knock. 
Just knock. The Lord is not asleep in bed. He's not, he's awake. He's awake. You're, he was expecting you. He knew you were coming. I'm struck by the reality of this idea of our adoption, that when we're adopted as sons and daughters of the father, we're actually already in the house, right? That he's brought us into his household. Do you, do you keep the interior doors of your house locked? I mean, every now and then maybe you gotta go to the bathroom, but you don't usually, right? They're usually unlocked. Why? Because what's on the other side? Family. Family's on the other side. And when you come to the father, he is family on the other side of the door. You don't have to pound the door. You don't have to wonder if he's home. No, he's listening. And all all you need is the weakest tap on the door. And he'll respond. He opens the door. Before and after everything else I believe about prayer is that he is your father so you can ask him. You can seek things from him. You can knock and he'll hear you. He'll respond. And when you do, I think we'll see number three, prayer's effect. Let's look at what we'll receive. Okay, so, so, so what, what, is this, what does it mean that ask and you will receive? Seek and you will find. What do we do with such sure promises like this? Like with such sure commands, like whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. Like what about, what about when it feels like he's not answering? And, and what about his sovereignty? Like what are we to do with that? Don't we believe that he's already working all things together for his good? That nothing can thwart his will, uh, that he's gonna work everything according to his will and purpose. And, and if we believe that, then, then why pray anyway? And, and I, I just want to say to all of that, God is a mystery. God is a mystery. Our Father is a mystery. And, and if all, in all of your theologizing about prayer, if in all of your thinking these thoughts about, look, he has told you to ask for things and he has promised you that somehow in his sovereign omniscience that he has ordained that his work in the world would happen by the means of the prayer of his people. And we believe it. How does that all work? I don't know, I'm not God. But he knows and he says it works. So what does that mean? So can I just, can I just like ask him for a Ferrari? Like, it's that, I mean, because if this is how it works, let's just, he, he gives what we ask for, let's, let's ask, you know. We shouldn't just be praying for our neighborhoods. We should be praying for like, uh, we should have been praying like for the Astros to sweep. We, what, we, why don't we wait till six? Um, but no, I, I think the Lord's, the Lord's prayer is laying out this, this expectation about prayer is that, We're so connected to the Father that by daily coming to him, that every little need, every little concern, every big desire, every big dream, all of it, the little stuff, the big stuff, that in some way, we know that the Lord hears us. And then in the regularity of our prayers about each of these things, he may do many things. We know that sometimes he changes our own hearts about what it is that we're praying for. We know that sometimes he gives us something different because guess what? What you're often praying for is not the thing you actually need. 
right? Haven't you experienced this? And the Lord is in his wisdom. He hears your prayers, but he answers you knowing what you need rather than what you were asking for. But, but know this, regardless of how he responds, we can be sure that he hears. And we can be sure that he's not leaving our prayer unanswered. In James chapter four, we read that you do not have because you do not ask. I think this is a really amazing statement. The idea that, that there are things that we don't have because we haven't asked God. That is telling me that there is, there is an effectiveness to prayer that the Lord has ordained. But then we also read in verse three that you ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. Meaning that the, the Lord hears our prayers and by his wisdom, uh, he's a good father. And sometimes he needs to redirect us or sometimes he needs to give us something different than what we've asked. And lastly, a chapter later in James, James 5, 16, we read, what do we read about prayer? That, that prayer is powerful and effective. Meaning that, that somehow God has ordained that our prayers would accomplish something. That's unreal, right? It's unreal that we would pray for something and that the Lord in his sovereignty would, would something would come to pass because of something we've asked for. But I think all of this is shaped by the idea that we pray to our Father. And, and at the end of the day, what is it that brings you to the Father? What brings you to him each day? It's all the regularity of the things that Jesus just told us to pray for, isn't it? We're coming for daily bread. Like I need something. I have needs. He's made me to have needs so that I would come to him. I come because I, I, I want his name to be known. I want my friends to know him. I want his kingdom to come on earth. I'm anxious about all of the things going on around me. And so I come to him praying for the things of earth. I come because I need forgiveness. So we pray and we ask him to forgive us. I come sometimes needing him to help me forgive others. I come longing for protection. So we pray, deliver us. And then we pray for so many other things, right? For healing from sickness for rest, for, for, for our anxieties, for peace in our relationships. And we bring all of this to his door. But I think what Jesus is laying out, he's laying a life in front of us and that what we actually need each day, the things that bring us to his door, what we really need is not found simply in the answers to all of those needs. But what we actually need is the father at the door. We need the father at the door. I think that's what Jesus is saying in verse 13. That the Father doesn't just meet our needs, he, he meets us. Look at verse 13. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Look, I think it's a, a truth that if you are failing to ask the Lord for things that you need, then you are missing out on having some of your needs met. There are things, that needs that he will meet if you will only ask. But I think even more striking is the end of the verse, is that if you're neglecting to come to him in prayer and bring your needs to him, you're not just missing out on having your needs met, you're missing out on him. 
how much more will he give you the Holy Spirit? How much more will he give you, not just what you asked for, but give you himself when you come and simply ask? Earthly fathers meet needs. They give you fish. When you ask for fish, they, give you, they, give you, they try to give you good gifts. But how much more does he give when we knock on his door, asking him to fill our little 12 ounce water bottle of provision for the day, the Lord Jesus, our heavenly father, he meets us at the door with an ocean. That's what we want, the little thing, but he gives us himself. And I, this may sound familiar. Do you remember the story? I, I, some of you probably remember this encounter that Jesus had with a Samaritan woman at the well and, and she shows up to get her water at the well. And if you remember, Jesus said to her, if you just knew who was asking, or who you were asking, you would be asking me. Because, you, because what I have, you just think you need today's water, but what I have is water that you'll never thirst again. And then he tells her that he, he, he offers water. And what, what kind of water does he offer? Water that is like a stream flowing inside. It's like a well bubbling up water from inside. He's saying, I will give you what satisfies from me, not from this well. I will be the well of satisfaction, the Holy Spirit in you. We must not neglect daily coming to the Lord in prayer. Not, not because shame on you for not praying, not because of that. Many of us just don't pray for whatever reason, because we don't know where to start or, or because you feel like maybe I just haven't been good enough or I, haven't, I just don't have a life that, that is the life that someone who prays a lot should, should live. So I can't come to him. But look, God's not looking to be impressed by you. He's not waiting for you to come in and twist his arm to get what you need. No, every day we bring our needs to him. We bring ourselves to him. And then every day he reminds us that he's our father and that he's got it. He reminds us that he's good and he satisfies us with himself. And he says, I've got even more in store than what the thing you've asked for because you're my child. So, so here's, here's what I want us to do. I, I, I've said before, what a waste it would be. I said this a couple weeks ago, what a waste it would be if we were to just talk about prayer, to study prayer, but not actually do it, right? That would be, that'd be a waste, and so I, I hope, I hope you're starting to try to work in routines of daily prayer into your life. If you haven't, this is a great week to start. Uh, to start, we, we've, we've been asking it the whole series. It's, it's the theme of the prayer, which is just to say, Lord, help us to pray. I hope that we'll, we'll become people who are more comfortable with praying. It's not, it's not an awkward thing. It's not a weird thing. It's just, it's just like a child asking their, their parents where to pray to the father that way. I hope, I love when I see like groups of two and three after service or before service just huddled up praying for something. That, I hope that'll be normal. I hope it'll be normal like in the back when we have, we have prayer team members in the back of the service. I feel like so many of you are like, man, I, I wanna go back there, but I, it's just so weird. And I just go. I, I pray that we'd have a line of people waiting back there to pray with somebody. Uh, pray to the Lord. Pray with someone else to the Lord. I love, love watching the map unfold each week. I think we've got the map on the, on the screen where you can see like each week you guys have been praying. So I think there's like three of them. Each week it's just grown to where, and I think we got another one this morning and somebody else said, hey, we're praying in our neighborhood. Uh, these are places where you guys are walking around and praying. That's not something like, like uh, just whatever. No, that's like a big deal. 
that we're praying where the Lord has planted us for the neighbors he's put us next to, that his kingdom would come, his will would be done in our neighborhoods, through our families. That's a big deal. So praise God. May he keep growing us in these things. But I, I want us to end briefly with, with a picture of kind of a daily prayer rhythm and then I want us to practice it. So this is number four, the practice of prayer. So what I'm gonna describe is not the way, it's just a way. Uh, Martin Luther, I'm gonna kind of describe his process. He had a regular way of praying and we know this from a couple letters that he wrote, uh, that he shared, uh, that were kind of open letters to be read. And one of his letters uh, was called, How One Should Pray for Master Peter the Barber, which I love uh, because it just shows that like, he wasn't writing to like, some super spiritual person um, or some you know, theologian. He was just writing to the barber. Um, which is really funny if you've seen portraits of Martin Luther uh, or like the paintings and stuff of Martin Luther because it's like, did you use the barber? Like, I don't understand. Is, was that on purpose? Um, but neither here nor there. Uh, Luther, but Luther laid out some principles, I think, on how to organize a prayer time. Um, and I, I think this could be helpful for us. So I wanna give us a few ideas uh, from Luther. And then I want us to actually pray through the Lord's Prayer. He, Luther gave instruction about praying through the Lord's Prayer and praying through the Apostles' Creed just as fuel for our prayers. So um, Luther starts by talking about when should we pray? And I think that his answer to that is to pray in the morning and the night. Uh, and, and I think we see that modeled in Jesus. We see Jesus getting up early in the morning and going to pray. But I think this, the whole, even early in this sermon, we, we can pray anytime. That's, we're, we're able to do that. Um, but, but I love what Luther said about prayers in the morning. He said this. He said, guard yourselves against these false deluding ideas which tell you, wait a little while, I will pray in an hour. First, I must attend to this or that. Does that sound like your day? Like, I mean, isn't that just like all of us? Uh, because by the time you say, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do this first and then, then it's the next day and you're like, oh yeah, I never did it. Uh, so just start, start there. What a way to start. So I wanna give you Luther's process now for prayer. He called this just a simple way, a simple way to pray. Um, number one, he starts with an introduction. So we, we might refer to this as, or not an introduction, an instruction, uh, an instruction. And we, we might refer to this as like daily Bible reading or, or Bible study. Uh, I'm so thankful that unlike many Christians before us, we have regular access to God's word. Many Christians would just come, they would have to take what they had memorized or what they could recite and they could meditate on it and they would pray from that. But we actually get to read God's word. And so we read, I think the, the community Bible reading plan that we use is a great tool. It's a couple of chapters a day. So we read and then we zero in on something, on some small truth or passage from the scriptures and meditate on that, think on it. God, what are you showing me? What are you helping me to learn from this about who you are? Uh, I, I think this time of, of study and application, this feeds your prayer time. And, and it also ensures that like our time with the Lord, our prayer times with the Lord, that they're not just always responding to the fires of my life. Like all my prayer times are not just everything that's on fire around me. It's I'm actually responding to things that I've just seen about God in the word. Uh, and then we begin to just pray our response. So we, number two, we move to a thanksgiving. And you can, I think in your prayer times, maybe you write these down. I think that keeps me focused. Or maybe you pray them out loud. Uh, but a thanksgiving, how, how does this teaching lead me to thank God? Praise him for what, what you're seeing about his grace. Praise him for what you see in the life of Jesus, the way that Jesus embodies that truth. Thank him, praise him. And then number, number three, a confession. 
How does this teaching show you where you're falling short? How do you see your sin? How how is your idolatry being exposed by the truth that you've seen? And confess that to him. Tell him you love him. Confess that you've neglected this truth, that you've forgotten his grace and fall again at his feet. And then lastly, a prayer. This is the petition part of the prayer. This is asking for what we need. Where do we feel ill-equipped to live this out? Where do we feel like we need help? How are we struggling to believe it? We're asking, Lord, help us. And then we bring him all of our other needs. Maybe you've got a prayer list you're working through. We bring him those needs. And we're asking him, Lord, help, help this friend, help this family member. But we're responding to what we've learned of him. And I think so many of us, like we stop at number one. I think that is like a, a symptom or, or I, I, I don't know what drives it, but I think we're such, we love God's word. We have that kind of culture, but that we, that we, we stop with Bible study and Bible study is, is where we end. And I think of all these Christians before us, they didn't have the Bible to, to, to sit and read and study all the time. They just had to simply meditate on what they knew of God's word and then respond to him. And I think if we just stop with number one, we see God as like a taskmaster or a drill sergeant for the day. It's like giving us our checklist and now let's go out and do it. Rather than seeing the beauty of what he's showing us and then coming to him. I think if we don't come to him with what we've learned, if we don't come to him with the confession that wells up on us when we read, it's like, it's like getting all of the ingredients for a meal and then never eating it. It's like making all the plans for a date and then never going on it. I think we, we, we want to pray with our Bibles open, but we want our Bibles to, to fuel our interaction with the Lord and our response of our own heart to him. So we don't, need, we don't simply need instruction from him. We need him. So let's do it. Let's do it together. I'm going to invite Rich and the band to come back up and, and uh, he's just going to begin to play the piano as we pray. And I, let's just go to the Father. Let's just ask him. His door is open. We're gonna pray through each petition of the Lord's Prayer. We're gonna use that as, our, as the fuel in our response to, to, as we pray. Um, since we've been in Luke, reading Luke's version, I'm gonna actually switch it up and go read from Matthew's, uh, the, the, the translation uh, that Matthew shares with us uh, in Matthew 6. And I'm just gonna read a line of the prayer and give you a moment to just respond in prayer. And, and I, would, I would just open this up. And I say this is true all the time. Like you can kneel if you'd like. You can stand if you'd like. You can, you can put your head down if you'd like. You can, um, the Lord, you can, raise, you can just open your hands as, as one who wants to receive from the Lord. Uh, sometimes our posture is a demonstration of the posture of our hearts. And, and I think that's, that's okay. The scriptures seem to describe that in the Psalms over and over. And so I want you to go to the Lord. Let's talk to our Father together, okay? We begin at the beginning of the prayer. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Talk now to your Father. Thank him for being your Father.
kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray for your father's kingdom to be established. Pray for, pray for all of the chaos that you are aware of in, in the world around you, that many would bow the knee to Jesus. Pray for those who are hurting. Give us today our daily bread. Ask the Lord for what you need. Ask him for what you feel like is, is, is a need that you have in your family, a need that you have at work, something that's really pressing on your soul. Just ask him, tell him what you need. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Confess your sin. Confess where you've neglected believing him, where you've struggled to follow him. And then ask him to help you to forgive those who've wronged you. Remember his forgiveness to you now. bring us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one pray that the Lord would remove your desire for sin that he would lead you away from those things that tempt you that he would protect you from the enemy ask him now
Lord, we thank you. We rejoice that we have a Father, a heavenly Father who loves us, who knows us, who made us, who cares. God, we thank you that you even hear us now, that, that, that we're not just speaking into the air, but we're speaking to someone who loves us. Why you love us, how you love us is astonishing to us. But all we can conclude is that you are so good, that you're more kind than we understand. And Lord, we fall on your, we fall on your mercy, we fall on your grace, and we believe in your power. We believe in your plan, and we ask that you would meet all of our needs. But most of all, would you, would you show us yourself? Would you give us your Holy Spirit? Would you empower us to walk with you? We ask this as your children. In the name of Jesus, amen.